Introducing Lewis Scott and Films of 1991. Hello and welcome back to episode 8 of Films from 1991. And as you can tell by the title of this episode, we are doing Psychic Wars. And yes, before we get properly started, I got the title wrong. Um, I was for some reason, I kept thinking it was Mystic Wars. But nope, it is in fact Psychic Wars. And how I got that mixed up, excuse me, I do not know. The other thing I have to mention is that I watched the English dubbed version of Psychic Wars, which came out technically in 1998. Uh, however, that was the only option on the DVD that I had managed to get. It came out originally in Japan in 1991, so that's that. End of story. Um, I get this, like, oh, well, it's not technically like, what? It's like, well, if it's all you can get, it's all you can get. So there's that. So to go through all the details, um, it's directed by Tetsuo Imazawa, whose credits include a lot of Digimon. If you know what Digimon is, it's got one of the most catchiest banging theme tunes. It, you could say that a lot of people would say it's a derivative of Pokemon, but I don't know. I mean... Who cares, really? Do you know what I mean? Who cares? I really enjoyed Digimon. I also really enjoyed Pokemon, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah, he, he basically directed a lot, a, lot, a lot of Digimon. was the main thing I got from that. Um, so, I'm going to list off the cat, the voicing, the voice cast of the both the English dub and the original, because I thought I should at least reference the both sets of cast. So, the English dubbing voice cast is Alan Blyton, Julia... Brahms, Roger May, Lisa Ross, Leslie Rooney, Frank Rosenar, I think it's Rosenar or Rosalar Green. And then the OG voice cast is Hideyuki Tanaka, Harumi Tesuro, Yuko Ono, or Uno, I'm not quite sure, Ikuya Saraki, Mashaha Sato, Ryuji, or Ryuji Saikachi. If I'm butchering these names, I apologize. Ah. Uh, now, sometimes I can't even read my own writing. Shijuro Chibu Daisuke Gori. Again, apologies if I butchered those names. Uh, I thought I'd be them dead on them, but I could just tell that I probably mucked up a lot of them. So, brief synopsis. <laughs> this is so, uh, oh, I just, we'll get into it. But anyway, a strange growth on a mysterious old woman leads a brilliant surgeon into a 5,000 year old battle for the fate of Japan. If you can hear some sounds in the background, it's my dog being nosy. But um, enough of that. So before we really get into the film proper, let's talk about me and anime. Um, I've loved, uh, as growing up, I watched a lot of Dragon Ball Z, Gundam Wing, Pokemon, as I mentioned before, Digimon. Then later on, as I got older, uh, Akira, Ghost in the Shell, and then Studio Ghibli films. I was a big Studio Ghibli films were a big thing, especially with the people that I knew as a teenager getting into early teens. Because it was very like it was very of the emos and the goths, like Studio Ghibli. So you know, it was a lot of um, Howl's Moving Castle, Princess Mononoke. I was more Spirit of the Way fan. I love Spirit of the Way. I think it's one of the best ever. You know, not even just anime. One of the best ever films ever made. Um, 
And I read a few mangas too. I read I've read quite a few mangas. Funny enough, both um I've read Akira. I haven't read all the Akiras because there's more. It's funny enough, the film is a long film, Akira. But the so the graphic novel of Akira is I think it's five or six books, I think. And I've read, I'm pretty sure I've read three, because at the time that I was at university, they had them in the library. So I took the full opportunity. Although it kept being like, when I would go to look for two, someone would go out. If I go and went to look for three, someone would go out. So that's why I only ended up managing to read, I think, three of them. I maybe started four. I can't really remember. But but I, I own Ghost in the Shell. So I've read that. Um, if, excellent. I actually own the first, um, well, like first edition, obviously not, but like the first um, compiled book of Dragon Ball before it became Z, because it's funny, you don't really realise there was a Dragon Ball and then a Dragon Ball Z. But anyway, that's enough of that. Um, but I've read others like uh, Flutter, which I think of anyone off the top of my head. Oh, I've probably read some more as well, but I can't really think of them. <laughs> anyway, so basically I have a real appreciation for the mediums of anime and manga. Um, I especially like 80s and 90s and early millennium stuff. Uh, there's something about the growing quality, the grain, sorry, the grainy quality of the picture merged with that cybernetic melancholy that seemed rife in anime and manga over that period. You know, with stuff I've just mentioned before, like Ghost of the Shell and Akira, is that sort of cyber androidy, um, but really dirty and grimy. It's like kind of like the OG, like kind of like a Robocop or a Terminator, I would guess. Where, yeah, it's the future, but it's dirty as hell. Like, it's grimy. It's not cool. It's not slick. That's the problem with stuff um, with sci-fi these days, I feel like. It's too polished. It's like, it ain't like that at all. And uh, that's not just with direction and what's being said, but even the picture quality itself. That's why I really like um, stuff from before, I don't know, I'm trying to think of maybe like before from before 2005, let's say, where the picture quality is still not the best. You know, it's not high def, but it adds a certain quality, it adds a certain charm to it. So, saying all that, that's very true of Psychic Wars. I love the lo-fi quality of the animation and overall image. It gives uh, it gives it an amount of charm, like I said, that comes with a VHS copy recorded by someone you know from a late night show on a little known on a little known channel. You know, um, Going back to what I was watching growing up, like, you know, Cartoon Network had this segment called Toonami, which if you if you grew up about the same time as me, you'll know that that was what all the anime was on, so Gundam, Dragon Ball, um, and other such things. I think probably they ended up showing Naruto and that, um, or even Yu-Gi-Oh, Christ. <laughs> um, oh, uh, I forgot, one big yin. Beyblade, of course. How could you ever forget? Even got the toys. Christ. Um, but, you know, it was that sort of thing that, like, you know, someone at school would be like, oh, I've got a recording of such and such, and be like, oh, my God, can I borrow it, you know? And yes, VHS and videotapes, folks, if you don't. No, I still got plenty of tapes. Why not? You know, there's something about a tape. It's because it's chunky and you have to keep the box. It's not something you can just download onto something. I don't know, you know. But anyway, let's get back to the film. <laughs> so the story... As in the synopsis, you can tell, the story is so fantastical and over-the-top 
Yet here it's not that. I do not know what the direction was both for the voice cast, sorry, for, for the voice cast, but it's as if they were continually, continually told to dial it back. So they were basically doing the complete opposite of animated. I mean, the absolute polar opposite. I cannot describe or explain this enough, but it's like, I'm trying to think of someone who, so I don't, I don't know if people are going to get this reference, but surely if you go on the internet a lot, if you've been on the internet long enough and you appreciate film and crappy films, surely you would have got this reference. Uh, but there was a, a while back, there's this segment of this film called Trolls 2, which is from about the 80s. And there's a bit where I think a woman's getting eaten alive, eaten alive by these troll creatures. And there's basically a guy at the bottom of the stairs and his reaction to it, he's saying the right lines, but the way he says it is so deadpan and so like, you know, it's so just placid. So meh, right? And um, and it became a big viral meme and gif or whatever. Uh, but it's like that, except even further back, like even no raising of the voice. Like it's just, you know, it's so basically like our main lead um, is the shrug emoji. If they manifested into a human being. So not what happens in the Emoji movie, nothing to do with the Emoji movie, but all these, you know, absolutely out of its world mental things that are happening, demons, portals, imbued with powers beyond recognition, and more than that later, and every reaction is nothing, absolutely nothing. I'm, I'm not asking, you know, for a, a Robin Williams level as genie in the, in the Aladdin exuberant performance, but there has to be an emotion other than to be glaikit. So I'll explain what glaikit means. So it's a Scottish word, because, you know, I thought it'd be nice to dapple some Scots, Scots in here. So Scots is an actual language for people who don't know. So Scotland has uh, Scots and it has Gaelic and it obviously has... English or Scottish English, as I would say. Um, so, Glaikit, funny enough, when I looked it up, it wasn't quite the way that um, people that I know and myself use it. But the way I use Glaikit is to describe someone who is not really all there. Now, I don't mean that in, a, you know, they're suffering with something, nothing like that. I just mean somebody who clearly is just. There's no effort to be some. There's no effort to be more than just a placid individual. I don't know how to best explain it. It's like um, it's just like oh, you know, there was such a glaikit bugger they were. You know, they were just like they was like meh. They were just like you know, like they couldn't really quite get whatever, and they were they they were an arsehole about it basically. <laughs> I don't know if that's explaining it as well, but in, funny enough, in the in the definition of it, it's saying someone who's uh, foolish and thoughtless. And I maybe go along with the thoughtless rather than the foolish. Um, and or is another way that some of us would say um, another way of us putting it would be a space cadet. 
So, <laughs> Space Gear is slightly different though, because that's more of... <laughs> that's the only way I can explain it. If you know somebody who's maybe done a bit too much of the old weed, um, and it's affecting them beyond them when they're actually doing the weed, then they're Space Cadet. They're like, they're not, you know, they're in a different universe, basically. They're in a different planet. You have no idea. They don't really know what's going on, whatever. And it does take away from this clearly rich filled story. Because I should say that it is based on, this is actually based on a manga called Bestial Soldier Psychic Wars, which is by Yasuki Kodata. Kodata, sorry. So I'm really, um, but anyway, so because it's, it must be, like, I, I really, uh, anyway, I'm tripping over my words. And it deserves to be delved into more, clearly. Uh, it's under an hour long, which, considering the subject matter, is a shame. I, for the most part, uh, really dislike remakes, especially of those films that are already excellent. So, obviously, if you've listened to a previous episode, but I'll reiterate, my favourite film is, of all time, Total Recall, from 1990. And, obviously, they did a remake of that, God, when was that? Probably five? Between five and ten years ago. I can't really remember exactly. Yeah, they made a remake with uh, Colin Farrell and I can't really remember who else. But um, I didn't even bother. Didn't even bother because I'm like, why do I want to taint? And I get that it's based on a novel, so it's not an original idea, but still, come on. Um, you know, they remade Robocop. I have watched the remake of Robocop. And apart from Samuel Jackson, who's pretty much excellent at anything and everything, it's not very good. It's pretty crap. Uh, I'm trying to think of other remakes. Well, I will. I'll give one credit to Suspiria. Um, that was a remake of a 1970s horror film. Um, that was actually all right. It has a mental, mental ending. So I and I haven't seen the original. So I do want to watch the original. But um, but for the most part, I I, I just can't deal with remakes. But in this case, this is right for another creative crack at it. I mean, we don't spend nearly enough time in each scenario. So I'm talking about our introduction to the character, our main character, Yukio, I think is his name, and the main female lead, although there is a lot to do with her at the end. But again, no spoilers. Although there's some bit I will spoil to do with his powers because I need to talk about, but I'll save that for the, for a moment. But... You know, there's not enough of him. Him as an excellent surgeon and his discovery of this growth and what the growth does, because that bit's wild. There's a bit where it's so wild, and I'm just his reaction is just like, oh, what's this? Oh, it's everyday life. Oh, it's perfectly fine. I'd be going mental. I, I like even if I was, even if I had a you know a heart of stone, I'd be still going mental at the growth. Which I'm, again, no spoilers, but. Crap McGee, you know, that thing ain't playing. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, beyond that, when we talk about, you know, the demons and the demon realm and, you know, even when he's going to a temple and all that, we don't spend enough time in these places. And the runtime is the problem with that. The editing is absolutely brutal. 
but the funny thing is, is you don't feel like it's brutal until right when the film has ended, and you're like, oh, wait a minute, what ends there? And I'm just going to say now, I didn't write this down, but I do have to mention the ending is absolutely hilarious. It's one of those classic endings where it feels like it ends on such a great actual melancholic note, actually, which I think is really excellent. But then there's this throwaway line at the end, which is supposed to be by tying a bow on it to make everything all right. And I'm like, why? Why are you doing that? Like, if you didn't even... I, maybe the maybe the manga is totally different. And so I would need to, again, I would need to read it. Um, but I'm like, oh, why did you say that? Why did you say that? You didn't need to say that. But anyway, anyway, move it on. And but yeah, because going back to the runtime. So saying that, for having such a tight runtime, it does what it needs to get done. To be honest, but I still stand by that. Giving this enough time and exploration, it could be an absolute smash hit as a limited series. I have not read the original manga I said it is based on, but I definitely want to now. Maybe there's more fleshed out story in that, I presume. I presume that the, the story in the manga is much more fleshed out. I'm going to jump in here. I didn't uh, note this down either, but I was just looking because I was wanting to see if I could... Because um, I keep forgetting to put links in the, episode, uh, in the episodes for like trailers or if I can find the full film for free. Um, so I was looking up for this one and I'm... I'm going to put up two links, actually. Uh, but I'll say at the end well, what they are. Uh, but when I was looking at the breakdown, uh, whoever had uploaded it, obviously had written a bit in the bio, they, they, there they say, and I haven't seen this anywhere else, so I don't really know. I'm taking this with a massive pinch of salt. But apparently this was the first part of three. So who knows? But apparently off the back of what this first one ended up like, they didn't make the other two parts. Which is interesting, because then it makes me actually think that what's said at the end of the film is maybe what leads into, but then you're talking, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where, I would, again, I would need to read the manga to know if it actually, if that line that gets said at the end goes anywhere. Like if that's a point where, like say the first, section of the manga ends and then the second part goes from there. I don't know. I have no idea. But I think this limited series it'd be excellent. Like a Netflix 12 episodes bang out the park. I mean they've been really I will say they've been really putting money into their uh, animes. Um, so it's like why not? It's clearly a property that isn't getting anything done with. It had one you know very short middling film why not it's clearly right with like anything you could explore you could even make it like a multi-season series i would say 12 episodes each three series smash out of the park but moving on let's talk about these powers right so if you have ever watched dragon ball z there's pretty much that except you remove the hair sticking up and changing color any sign of effort involved, and the hyperspeed. So yeah, basically he can float, has a yellow glow, and randomly can manifest a sword and long-handed axe out of thin air. Like, it is really flipping funny. Because uh, there's a bit where he's like, oh yes, I remember that. He was like, he goes, I remember that the woman said, 
and it was something about you will carry great power or some bollocks like that. And he's like, oh, and then he just, he just suddenly his arms go a little bit more tense. I'll give him that a little bit more tense, and he has a yellow glow, and then he can float. And then that's about it. And then all of a sudden, I literally all of a sudden, a sword appears in his hands, and a long handled axe appears in the other hand. But he's just like cool as cucumber the whole time. And everyone else is just sort of, well, I want to say everyone else, there's not many characters in this actually, funny enough. Uh, or I should say, there's not many, there's not lots of characters in the one scenes. It's like we sort of chop and change. And he is the main focus because uh, stuff with the demons always involves interacting with him. There's no moment where we step aside. Even when there's a moment where a demon is giving a speech. Yes, demons give speeches, apparently. Um, even then, it's on the preface that, oh, it's because he's here. Our main character is hearing this. So there's no moment where we're sort of exploring more of the sort of demon side of things. But yeah. And so, does that sound cool? Does that sound epic? Does that sound exciting? Well, you wouldn't knowing going off of this. When this all happens, there is no reaction, no sense of awe or surprise, both on how it's visually revealed, or, oh, sorry, and as stated previously, through the voice acting. It just happened, and that was it. And it comes and goes at will. Like, there's no moment where he's, like, stood there, like in Dragon Ball Z, where... I remember as a kid, I'd watch episodes of that and it would be like, when's the fight going to happen? Because it'd be Goku or Gohan or whoever. Piccolo, who's my personal favourite. Piccolo less so, actually. It was more Goku. It would be stood there for years, basically, just powering up, going Super Saiyan and all that. And you're just like, when's the fight going to happen? And then whoever he was against, Frieza, Cell, Boo, whatever... They would then power up and they'd be like, oh my god, it's taking forever. And they'd do the Kahema, you know, with the big energy ball. And that would take forever. That was over like five episodes. And then you finally launch it. They'd be like, oh, that's the end of the fight then. And then, um, but so I was glad when they did Dragon Ball Z Kai. I will say that because that just, they edited that. So it cut all the crap, all the stuff that we really didn't need. I get you trying to make it epic, but it's like, oh, is this supposed to be for kids? They're just not going to stick around for that. Anyway, but with this, it's like, it's like, okay, I would like to see some effort put into having these powers and suddenly manifesting a sword and a long-handled axe. But hey, whatever. And that touches on something else. The way our main character is visually represented matches the voice. Just, they're never showing any emotion. So yeah, as well as the voice acting, which I've already said, doesn't really convey any sort of emotion whatsoever. The visually, it doesn't either. He just looks stone-faced the whole time. Um, the main woman is stone-faced. The only person who has any sort of emotion is this professor lad who only gets two scenes. And he's just excited about archaeological dig. Um, and he's just more portrayed as being eccentric. And that's it. That's just one person with a different emotion. And, okay, being stoic is a thing, I get it, but there's being stoic and then there's being a stick. Stiff as a plank of wood. But like I said, he's not the only one. All the supporting class, including the demons, in fact, 
have all this placid visual and vocal nature, which all are like, oh, this is so normal, don't worry, vibe about it. Which as a viewer pulls you out of the story, the threats, excitement and obstacles are just meh with the ways it's presented. Now, all this being said, I actually really enjoyed this. Maybe nostalgia for anime I watched, uh, you know, when I was growing up. I maybe fueled my enjoyment of this. You know, that happens. It happens with loads and loads and loads of things. The story itself is wild, and there are moments which are really cool and atmospheric. But the shortness, voice acting, and level of diversity and animated emotions lets it down. And so what am I giving this as a rating? Well, this is what's going to be so funny. So I'm giving it a 3 out of 5. Now people are like, oh, well you said the thing about um, FX2 having the emotional acting being crap and that. And yeah, that's true. But that really is dealing with... Like, because it's an, uh, this is an anime and that was a live-action film, with a live-action film, it's like, no, emotion it has a humongous part to play, especially with the what happens in that film. To do with characters maybe not coming back, let's say. Whereas with an anime, because the story's so fantastical and wild, that sort of is able to at least take a little bit away from the fact that there's no emotion shown. And so that's why I've given it 3 out of 5. And, you know, it's a short watch. At least you're not there for two hours of the same, you know, crappy stuff. Now, I haven't actually picked a best line for this because I didn't really... Well, I've just explained why, really. Because of the lack of emotion and what have you, there wasn't really a best line for me. There is a really good scene with a snake, which is basically constricted itself around, I think, a wolf or a dog. I couldn't really tell. There's a great reaction to that, but I wouldn't say it's a best line. But best scene is a bit of a funny one. It's literally at the beginning. And I don't know, I think it was visual storytelling. And I don't really know exactly what it's a visual storyteller telling of, but I loved it. So basically we open with a cityscape and everyone's the same shade of like cream and beige. And then there's this red balloon just floating up the earth. And there's a voiceover at the top. I can't tell you what the voiceover says. I couldn't even remember. It wasn't really that major. The red balloon, it rises up and up and up, and it just pops. And it was very much like, um, ah, I can't remember the film name, but uh, Fellini's really famous film, which has a red balloon. I can't remember what it says. Is it Shoemaker, The Thief? It's something like that. I'll do it in housekeeping next episode. But it was very reminiscent of that. It was really, I thought, Seeing that, I was like, oh, cool. We're going to get some really interesting visual storytelling. It's going to be really excellent. And then it wasn't. <laughs> so um, so that was that. Anyway, we'll see numbers. So it was, um, in Japan, I think it was uh, a video release. So again, not a future film, I know. But um, hey, this is just the way it's going to go. This is just the way it's going to go, eh? So rather than any money numbers, ratings. <laughs> It's kind of brutal. So 3.3 out of 10 on IMDb. 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. Again, oof. And then the third one is uh, myanimelist.net. 3.1 out of 10. Oof. So yeah, the links I'm going to put down are... Um, there's the, It's the first 10 minutes of the film. 
that's on YouTube of English dubbing. And then there's the whole film in Italian dubbing. So if you're interested, watch that. I'm actually trying to learn Italian again, like I think I've said before. So I might have another crack. I might watch that and be like, oh, let's see how good my Italian is. But anyway, uh, that's it for another round. Thanks so much again for listening. I tried to keep it down time-wise. Spread the word and take care. Now, next up is the return of a certain Mr. Christopher Walken, this time as the King of New York. Until then, cheerio, folks, and stay safe. Thanks for listening to Films of 1991. Come back again. <laughs>